Hey Queens, are you ready to level up? Then join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy where you can find weekly bonus content and FDS commentary on all the latest pop culture relationship and dating news. If you just want to listen to the extra bonus content, we have the lurker mode tier on our Patreon. If you want merchandise, access to the private FDS Patreon discord, which also includes a monthly book club with FDS and feminist themed books, as well as FDS merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, and the opportunity to discuss topics with the FDS podcast queens live, as well as submit stories for our Rose Disco Queen and Gnosis discussions on the podcast itself. So if you'd like access to all this and more, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Part two of this week's episode will be on the Patreon. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Here's a little segment we like to call Roast a Scrote, where our Patreon users send in a tale of woe from the scrotes of their dating past. And we roast them. Yeah, we drag their balls through shattered glass. So today our scrote is submitted from a user named Rosie. So my ex and I were in a relationship for 2.5 years. He is really negative value. I'm sad I put up with so much, but grateful that I don't have to have to anymore following FDS principles, getting sober and getting therapy. Some of the shit he did included giving me the silent treatment if I did or said something he didn't like. I calmly asked him so many times to please just be direct with me if he's upset about something and explained how much it hurt me when he froze me out for days on end. He was also disgusted by my period. Oh, what a... Oh. About the period or the the silent treatment? Because I had an ex who was a narcissist who did that shit. I called it emotionally punishing, where if I did something he didn't like, he would just, like, ice me out for days. Which, again, this, uh, this is actually an abuse tactic that, uh, yeah. again, red flag, because... Um, or it's a red flag of emotional abuse, I should say, because um, it's not so much about just voicing their view that they don't want you to do that one thing. Um, except they're not voicing it. They're keeping it to themselves, but whatever. Um, it's more about like trying to condition you or mentally condition you to walk on eggshells and to be really in a state of like constantly trying to, to please you. So that's like a red flag. Yeah. I yeah. feel like if you just need space, then just, if you're just like not in the kind of mood to engage, then you just state that to that person. And I feel like that makes a huge difference from, I'm just going to be, pissed off for days with no type of resolution in sight but i won't say what's wrong and i won't talk it out yeah and just on the period note as well i just don't get men who just find it gross like i really don't like women don't go around waving their bloody pads in their face either so i don't understand what their problem is and it's a red flag. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's especially if he's grossed out by uh, a bodily process you cannot control that happens monthly. If he's grossed out by that, it's a red flag and you need to run. So to continue, one time I bled in the bed we were sharing and he looked revolted and said he just found it disgusting. He made the joke several times that his partner giving birth would be like watching your favorite pub burn down. What? What? <laughs> what? Damn. Fuck this guy. Men are always mad at us for using our vaginas for what they're actually for rather than... Like, again, this goes back to an earlier episode where we talk about how low-value men always see everything that you're doing with your body. Everything your body does other than be available for sex for them is a a problem. 
Or like a per- personal attack on them. A personal attack on them. This is uh, this is a tenet of misogyny, where mm-hmm. women's bodily functions are constantly othered and made to feel like we're wrong for having bodily functions that are um, have been around since I don't know millennia, since millions before of we years. were in humans. Yeah, so they need to get the fuck over it. It's yeah. Hold on. <laughs> We've been at this. How long has humanity been at this shit? Eight million years, and they're still like a million confused. years at least. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. When did when did Homo sapiens sapiens become a thing? Like, hold on. Let me Google this. Yeah, <laughs> no, let's Google this shit. Let's talk about how long men have been fucking scrotes that they're still confused <laughs> about women's bodily functions. Three hundred thousand years ago. That's like Homo sapiens, but our ancestors have been around. Yeah, so humanity has been around for eight, like millions of years, right? Not in our current form, but some kind of spinoff or predecessor. And what I find even more amusing is that men will be like, oh, periods are gross or like a wet pussy is gross, but then they'll expect us to swallow their nasty bleach tasting cum. Yeah. And they're all about squirting, which is squirting is a lot of times mixed piss. with piss. So, piss. Yeah. Or anal, and that's full of fecal matter. So, yeah, men grossed out by periods, but not grossed out by anal. Like, what the fuck is yeah, wrong with you? But also with that as well, like, if there is, like, fecal matter, they'll be grossed out by that. It's just like, if you're going up someone's ass, why are you shocked when shit comes out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was the thing. Okay, okay. So a friend of mine was telling me about how... A friend of mine was telling me how her boyfriend pressured her to try anal. Like, so he was, like, begging her for, like, six months for it. Finally, she decides to try it. Yeah. So, finally, she just caves and lets him, allows him to badger her into it. And she does it. And then he's, like, as soon as he does it, he pulls out. There's a little bit of poop on his dick. And he's, like, attack. He's, like, so angry at her for daring to have poop inside of her butthole. Like. Yeah. (laughs) And, and the same guy was also grossed out by periods in childbirth. So, what the fuck is up with men's priorities? Fucking asshole. Porn. That's the problem. Yeah, porn. They don't know. I mean, they'll flat. These people that like direct porn will say behind the scenes, people's assholes collapse and they're straight up shitting. You just don't see it. Yeah, they just cut that out. They edit that out. They cut it. So he would raise his voice and tell me to calm down if we had an argument and would laugh when I told him this is quite sexist and insulting and I didn't like it. Scroat. Yeah, he's a scroat. <laughs> scroat. Uh, unsurprisingly, the sex wasn't great. No. No, I'm shocked. <laughs> Color me shocked. <laughs> it was like masturbating on a human for me. Like I had to do all of the work. He'd often say, come for me, baby, when we were fucking. And I now realize this is straight out of porn. Gross. Yeah, this man has a porn porn level understanding of women's bodily functions. There's just so many men like this. It's so weird to me how men who watch porn literally do think that, like, they can make a uh, woman come just from, like, verbally commanding her to come. I command you to come! Yeah. <laughs> <Sluge>. <laughs> Can you imagine? I actually did have an ex who um, who thought that it was emasculating if I couldn't come during sex. Like, if he didn't make me come, he thought that that made him less of a man. I like to encourage that energy, to be honest. No, no, no. <laughs> I, no, he had that energy, but he 
would only do penetration. Like if I tried Uh, to explain that I need like clit stimulation to come, he would just seem like, ah, that's too much hassle. And then during sex one time, he straight up like yelled at me to come. Like as if that's going to make me have an orgasm. Come. Yeah. Like he actually yelled in my fucking, we're we're having sex missionary style. He fucking yelled in my face to have an orgasm. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) For some reason, I just got this image of like big Frida. You ever heard of Break Frida where she just, uh, she's like the bounce house star. She had like an opening line on Beyonce's formation track where she's like, I did not come to play with you hoes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he, men uh, approach sexuality with women. Like they can just command us. Like I did not come to play with you hoes. I command you to come. <laughs> and it's just like, this, it doesn't fucking work that way. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, after two years together, we moved in together with his friend. I had some doubts about moving in, but was going through some shit and just ended up going with the flow and doing it. When we moved in together, things got way worse. Yeah, because now he looks at you like his move-in mommy McBang made. First of all, never move in with a guy and his friend because they're going to expect you to be like the maid and the cook. And and they'll just, gang up on you. <laughs> yeah, and they'll gang up on you and bully you into doing that. He started calling me the brick with eyes as a joke, quote, the brick with eyes is a nickname of a very unattractive Australian footballer. I played along with it for some reason, but it really hurt me. Yeah, that seems hurtful. Aww. What the Fuck that guy. Oh my God. We were drunk and high on Ket one night, lying on the couch. I'm assuming this is ketamine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had sex with my friend in front of me without a condom. What? What? And then blamed me for it because I was lying on the couch in my underwear. What? I don't follow. So he had sex with her friend while high on ketamine. And then he blamed her for him having sex with her friend because she was lying on the couch in her underwear. What the fuck? I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't, I'm not getting this scrote logic. I'm not tying these two things together. I'm wondering if the, her friend was even like conscious. So did he just rape her friend right in front of her? Like, was she unconscious and he raped her? Cause that would be rape. Like that's this is weird. A mess. The silent treatment escalated at the end and he ignored me for nine whole days while we were living together. He acted totally normal to our housemate while acting as though I wasn't in the room. This was after I'd asked him if he was smoking weed in the shed, and he went off at me for, quote, judging his choices. Well, <laughs> Weirdo. I, I don't understand. What else can we judge you by other than your choices, though? Yeah. That's like the most ethical thing to judge about someone is their, the choices that they've made. Once again, men are mad when we judge them by the way they think, act, smell, do. Look. Look. Fuck. Be. Breathe. <laughs> They're saying basically don't judge us. Like to exercise judgment is the privilege of he who has more power. He doesn't want his subordinate sex object to be wielding that kind of power. The power of judgment. Yeah. I thought this guy hated me and I finally got the courage to end things. When we broke up, he acted like he didn't give a shit and like I was being so overly emotional. But after I moved out, he started stalking me. I asked him several times to leave me alone so I could grieve their relationship. I mean, isn't that always the way? Yeah. They hate you, but then if you leave, they're despondent because it just means that they're shit. Yeah. And they know they're shit. They're trying to project that they're shit onto you so they don't have to deal with the fact that they're shit. Yeah. It always happens. Why is it that guys who stalk you after a breakup never treated you that well during the relationship anyways? 
You know? It's like you weren't that into me while we were together, but now that we're not together, now you're obsessed with me? Like, fuck off. Anyways. Because they're massively insecure. And I think, again, it's just them projecting abuse. Mm -hmm. So then when you leave them, they're stuck with themselves. And so they have to make sure that you leave or they have to make sure they they keep that projection going that even if you leave they can still project their negative qualities onto yeah you or or he was just straight up he sounds like someone who was either actively abusive or ramping up to be more abusive and so often if you break up with an abuser yeah they will respond by trying to stalk you because they see you breaking up with them as a loss of control yeah it's about control yeah and their supply as well. Yeah, narc supply, control, uh, godlike delusions, delusions of grandeur. He repeatedly told me I am, quote, just like my father, who he knows was sexually abusive <laughs> towards me. Uh, he harassed my friends when I wouldn't talk to him, found out where I live. Yeah, so he drove past my house and texted me to tell me what area my place was, even though it was nowhere near where he lived and we were in lockdown. He wrote an email pretending to be our real estate agent to get my attention and then said, (gasps) quote, now that I've got your attention and went off on how horrible I am. He kept depositing money in our joint bank account to get my attention and rang me threatening to harm himself, blaming me for not being there for him and not trying to be mates with him. We've been broken up six months. I specifically said I never wanted to be friends. So this is like a doozy. This guy's a psycho. This guy's insane. It's always harder to roast these guys because these guys are scary much. Like there's the stupid scrotes that are just pitiable and easy to drag through the mud. But then you have these crazy psychotic type scrotes where you're just like, there's really nothing funny about them to even want to roast because this is this kind of behavior gets women killed, killed, yeah, you know, murdered, honestly killed, yeah. So, um, yeah. So first, the first grope behavior is telling her she's just like her father. Yeah, that's something that he clearly said because he knew it would be hurtful. It probably isn't even true. That's the thing. Like shitty people like that will say statements like that that they know not to be true just because it's like they're thinking to themselves like what can i say to them that will inflict maximum emotional damage yeah it's not true you're right yeah and telling a rape victim or you know a victim of uh childhood sexual abuse that um they're just like their abuser is i cannot think of anything more cruel and horrifying to say so he was just saying that to be a dick yeah he's going scorched earth that's yeah. what happens with these guys like the yeah, this this definitely seems like a narc rage where you inflicted some kind of narcissistic injury. So now they're just going to do absolutely everything in their power they think will emotionally destroy you. Um, yeah. So harassing your friends. Hopefully your friend. Hopefully your friends are some ride or dies and told this guy to fuck off. Yeah. And if they didn't, then I would also look at your friendships because this guy's insane. So. So then he goes out of his way to find out where she lives, drove past her house, and then, like, was intimidating her by letting her know that he knows where she lives. So, yeah. This is another red flag of potentially getting murdered, actually, because this is, um, like, stalking behavior is actually very, um, almost always precedes these types of murders where a woman is murdered by a man that she knows, Uh, even a man that she doesn't know, like men who murder very often engage in stalking behaviors before murdering them. Yeah. And then the pretending to be a real estate agent to force her to pay attention to him. Yeah. 
I, yeah, and you have a joint bank account. So I'm always of the opinion, never have a joint bank account unless you are married. So this yeah. is partially why, because now it's very, very hard to extricate your finances. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have a joint bank account. Um, even upon marriage as well. If you have a joint bank account, um, there was a case in the UK where a woman was fleeing an abusive man. They had a joint bank account and she went to change her address. And because of the nature of the account, he was unable to find out where she lived because it changed on his profile as well. So he then went round to her place and just beat the shit out of her. So after that, they actually had to change the process on how you change your address um, to stop that from happening. Um, So that's also something Mm. to be aware of as well. It's not even just about your finances. It's about your personal safety. If the relationship goes left, um, then they could be able to find you. And also from a financial perspective as well, if they overdraw the account, um, like you're still in the UK where they've got something called joint and severally liable, which means that you're both responsible for the debt. Um, so mm-hmm. even if he runs up the debt, um, you can't close that account until it's paid off. So I used to see women having to pay off hundreds yeah. of pounds of debt they didn't run up just to get the account closed down. Yeah. And as long as it's open, they can keep running up debt. So they can keep running up debt. And also, you're also, it's also going to affect your credit rating. So I wouldn't even recommend having a joint account even when married. Like my parents have been married for nearly 40 years and they've always had separate accounts. Yeah. And then he threatened to harm himself. Another abuser tactic. Yeah. Another abuser tactic. They're normally still alive by the time. <laughs> if you check on them, they're still alive. I mean, that's true. That's, it's a tactic, right? They don't, it's, there's no follow through there because it's bullshit. It's just a way they're just It's going, emotional manipulation. Yeah. Um, so the last throwaway line after all of this paragraph is that she says she's a lawyer. She says, I'm a lawyer. And he was working a minimum wage job and i think he hated that i'd gone to university sis <laughs> let's level with each other <laughs> it all makes sense now like he's clearly trying to yeah, bring her does. down 10 pegs because he's intimidated by her this is why in fds you always advise do not date down these men will never thank you for it and they will drag you down to their level or try to anyway because they know that you're better than them mm-hmm. yeah were you bankrolling this guy so maybe he was like also scared of not being able to support himself yeah uh she wraps up by saying anyway thanks for everything you do because i don't want to go through that shit again we hope you never do either yeah i hope no woman has to go through that unfortunately a lot of women do suffer through that but our our goal here at fds is to educate women as much as we can so that no woman has to suffer through that yeah and in her defense she does say she wasn't sober this entire time so i'm gonna we're gonna chalk that up to like drug induced she's leveled up since then yeah. So that's our Roaster Scrow. If you would like to submit your very own Roaster Scrow or listen to our bonus content or hang out with us on our Discord, then go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Let's start the show. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Roe. And I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And before we move on to our main topic, I'd just like to announce that we now have a book club. It's hosted on our Patreon Discord server. The December reading is Right Wing Women by Andrea Dworkin, which I'm really excited about given our soon-to-be-launched new podcast, Female Political Strategy. We'll be meeting every Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and this Saturday, December 4th, we're discussing chapters one and two. 
You can sign up by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy and selecting either the level up or queen shit tiers. I'm really looking forward to discussing it with you queens and on to the show. All right. So today's topic, the joys and pitfalls of casual sex, because this is controversial. Even on the mod team. Yeah. On the mod team, on FDS, casual sex, whether or not to have it, if there's circumstances where it can be beneficial, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's really, really, really controversial on the subreddit as on among the users as well as the mod team. I mean, I don't even think that it's just controversial on FDS. I think even with dating coaches like Natalie Lou, she's very much she doesn't come down on either side. She just tries to present the pros and cons. So it seems like it's a controversial topic in general, not just with FDS. There's some mods that go hardcore about anti-casual sex, though, because I know there were people that are complaining they got banned off the subreddit. Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, that like if you're if you're on the subreddit and you're promoting casual sex, then you're going to get banned. And there's there's other mods that are sort of nuanced about it. Didn't we just we just got dragged by Tracy Clark Flurry because she was saying that we were making fun of her for having casual sex. It's not just because she was having casual sex. It's because you were saying do the patriarchy to me, sis. Yeah, because she was saying stupid shit. And she was having bad sex as well. And this is something we'll touch on the episode is that if you are going to engage in it, it needs to be to your benefit. But we'll come to that. She flat out admits like, oh, I never orgasmed at all during all the casual sex I was having. And I'm like, yeah, what, what are you doing then? Yeah. Well, like, what's the point? Just trying to like prove something to other people that no one cares about but you? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The devil's in the details and the nuance is what makes or breaks the casual sex argument. I learned some things from people on the subreddit just from reading their stories and why I personally could never come hard line on the idea that like, oh, you should never ever have casual sex because there are some times where for some women it makes sense, especially women who are older and divorced and have kids and aren't necessarily looking to bring a man into the fold in like a full capacity. So let's say you're divorced or something and you're like, I'm not trying to get married yet again. I don't necessarily need a full-time boyfriend, but I want to have some kind of companionship in the meantime. And then like on top of that, they're older. They have the, you know, at that point, if you're in your 40s and 50s, like you probably have your boundaries worked out. They're a lot better at discerning situations about whether it's going to be good for them or bad for them than not. Most women, some women stay dumb their whole life, but (laughs) they go out sad to the day they die. But like, taking over 30. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But also, and I think at that age, they would have been able to become detached from men just due to life experiences with men as well. I've also read some stories from single mothers who say that casual relationships just work better for them because a serious relationship, they either don't want to introduce their child to their relationships for whatever reason, or they're just too busy to have a serious relationship, but they're still horny. So they have a side piece, basically. (laughs) And honestly, good for them. I've met some women in their 40s and 50s who date like total savages. Like (laughs) They're still reeling in men well into their 40s and 50s. One of my friends, her mom is divorced, and she's like, married my high school sweetheart, you know, had kids, blah, blah, blah. After the divorce, I had the best sex of my life. And so I was like, queen, I I like that. But yeah, but again, she's in her 50s. She's got her boundaries set out. She very good at like nexting guys, being able to size a man up and knowing when to kick him out. Yeah, she says like, I'm in my 50s now and I've never been hornier, right? And so I'm like, you know what? Good for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. You've survived on this planet for 50 years. You deserve to... Get your back blown out, sis. <laughs> Get the O's. <laughs> and you know what? Oh my God. Okay, so her husband looks like... Her ex-husband now just looks like a fucking beanbag. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Like after so many years of suffering, 
under this man, you know, when she's so beautiful and she, he's so not, I'm like, girl, you, d- you deserve it. Absolutely. So that's a scenario where I could see it being potentially beneficial for women to engage in casual sex. But like, I want to put some boundaries around it because like at that point have some caveats yeah have some caveats so your last fuck has made its way off a cliff being more able to assert your boundaries understanding enough about men at that point to start to putting men in their popular yeah i think that's what it is like putting men in their proper place in your life like vastly devaluing men that's a good strategy devalue men this is why men don't want you to listen to older women because by the time they're that age they know they have good advice they have amazing advice and they don't i mean except for the pick means that like again go outside their whole fucking life (laughs) but like the ones (laughs) that like get divorced and start to understand you know the how dating market is who go to therapy and learn go to therapy yeah they're based and they're cool to be around yeah learn from your elders ladies listen to your elders your queen elders the empresses yeah i know (laughs) but i feel like for women outside of that scenario for the most part casual sex relationships aren't beneficial and i think we can go through some of the reasons why a big reason is that First of all, most men, we talk about this all the time, most men need a lot of help when it comes to sex, either because they're porn sick or just like straight inexperienced. So it's very hard to find a partner who is going to just give you a good sexual experience off rip. So then you have to a lot of times do a lot more vetting to get them to the place where they would actually be a great sexual partner. And then by that time, you either like like them enough to want to hang out all the time and then possibly be in a relationship or you just realize it's not even worth the effort and want to bounce. It's almost akin to like playing the lottery where you might win $250 million, but the chances are just really, really low. Yeah, if it's hard enough to find a good relationship partner, then it's going to be hard to find a good sexual partner since straight men, by and large, are not great at sex. And if you want to protect your feelings as well, especially when you're younger, at least you sort of have to date down. You have to look for somebody who you can't like fall in love with, in which case you'll have to compromise on some of your standards, which can be contradictory to your goals if you want to level up as a woman depending on what you have to compromise on like I've seen women on the subreddit say this guy blew my back out really well but he had super poor hygiene and he slept on the mattress on the floor like if that trade-off is worth (laughs) gross if the potential o's are worth it for you then that's up to you but it's just you sort of have to select somebody who is substandard to make it work because otherwise you will just end up catching feelings for the person and then the whole point of a casual relationship just goes out the window. And then the other thing too is for the under 50 set is pregnancy. That's another aspect that I didn't bring up about the over 50 set. They don't have to worry about getting pregnant. Whereas for all of the rest of us, that's always in the back of your mind. Actually, that's not true. Some women can get pregnant in their 40s and 50s, actually. So that's, I I don't want to spread misinformation. Still use birth control. Yeah, still use birth control. Yeah, to be fair, my mom's, that my mom's best friend got pregnant at 55. What? (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. So, you know what? Ignore what I said. She went straight to the abortion clinic and I do not blame her at all. Imagine having a kid at 55 fuck that apparently this is a thing where women right before menopause it's like the body just has a one last ditch effort to try to make a baby and just there's a surge of hormones and that's why right before menopause that's why some women just get super horny it's just the body's way of being like make a baby this is your last chance <laughs> last dance last dance Choo-choo, the factory's running out it's, yeah no <laughs> final call the bar's closing <laughs> tonight yeah <laughs> Um, what were we saying? Okay, Savannah story time. In terms of experience, though, I mean, I did, I would say I had like one 
I won the lottery once with a guy who was actually a male sex worker. I didn't know this at the time, so we matched. So you didn't pay him, right? No, no, not at all. Okay, good. Because he, because he, he told me after the fact that sometimes I guess he just looks for women off the clock because he can, I guess. And also, you know, in that line of work, you don't tend to sleep with people you're physically attracted to. Um, so yeah, that was how I found him. I was swiping. And it was just such a really good experience. Like when, you know, we got in, in the room, he was like, Oh, do you want a massage? And I was like, and that was, and that was my first indication. Where I thought, this is a bit weird. <laughs> he came to police. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know people were offered massages before. So I was like, yeah, sure. And he gave me a really, 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 really good massage, like sensual massage. Damn. That should have really been like, the first like okay this guy's not a normal male specimen he's something different isn't that sad isn't that sad you have to hire a professional to get decent sex or that he has to be a professional it, but i didn't but i didn't pay he has to be a professional but i didn't pay like he was just on tinder looking for i guess somebody he was actually attracted to and that was how we met and then yeah so he gave me a massage it was really and he was really really he was really really skilled and then it was the after glow conversation i was like so what do you do and he was like oh i'm a sex worker and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> i hope you use protection yeah so he was actually really big on that stuff because i guess in that line of work like protection is standard like he wouldn't um but that was actually a really positive experience but that was really really rare i think because i don't <laughs> most men are not and the things like physically he was super hot he had that like lean physique because he did brazilian jiu-jitsu really in shape and he knew his way around a woman's body so that was my lottery win so like in order to have good casual sex it would have to be with a man who's literally a sex worker because he's the only guy putting in the actual work into building his skill (laughs) (laughs) and for me it worked out well because there was no way i would develop feelings for him because i mean his line of work would be incompatible so yeah that worked quite well so positive experiences for me with casual sex have always been when I had a predetermined expiration date, like I was moving, I was on vacation, something where you're like, okay, I'm going to get this dick from this date to this date and that's it. Right? So you go in knowing it's not going to last. You go in knowing you're going to leave. You go in knowing you don't have any opportunity to quote unquote catch feelings. And then it allows you to kind of stay in the moment. I've tried that before where even when I have a predetermined expiration date, like there's this guy, he was a foreign exchange student and I knew he was leaving in three months. And so we kind of talked and we're like, okay, yeah, we don't want to like develop feelings and then end up pining for each other, you know, once you leave. So we had sort of a casual sex relationship. And then by the time he had to leave, we actually ended up liking each other. We ended up actually sort of not like a long distance relationship, but we did end up like texting for like a year after that and sort of pining after each other for like a year. And I tried to visit him in his country and shit. So I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me because I know I catch feelings. I'm just the kind of person where I know that when I have sex with someone, I, I mean... I don't have sex with someone unless I really like them. And often having sex with someone makes me really like them. So they kind of go hand in hand to me. So I find when it has the built-in expiration date, that's almost worse because then I, <laughs> that, then you, you have to catch the feelings and you no longer have access to that person. So yeah, but that's just me. That's interesting. Cause that's, so for me, emotionally, however I, I already feel about that man gets amplified by the sex. We discussed post-nut clarity in a few a few episodes back. And I know Savannah, you don't believe it's real. But for me, what would end up happening is if I realized I didn't like the guy or sort of like disgusted about something about the guy, I felt like disgusted with myself 
right? So then it's almost like the, whatever feelings I have for that man ends up being how I felt internally. Other times where I was sort of indifferent about the guy after we had sex, I was still sort of indifferent. I didn't really feel it didn't really push me either way. And then other times where I was already into the guy, then I started doing like that future, like th- that thing where you start projecting the future. Like I'm, we're in love and we are going to have 17 kids. We're going to buy a house with a white picket fence and have a golden retriever. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your brain starts to like the, your, your hormonal brain starts to like hijack everything else. And then it just get am- it gets amplified. See, I do that with every guy I fuck, even if they're trash. That's the thing. Like I know that my hormones will trick me into being stupid. And so I I have to be smarter than my stupid part of my brain. Mine just takes whatever is already there and then just amplifies it. There's no worse feeling to me than waking up next to a dude or at least rolling over next to a dude and being like, yeah, this is rock bottom for me. I think I think it's time for me to get my shit together. Yeah, see, I don't know if like my brain, I think I just have this weird coping mechanism where even if I'm disgusted with the guy, my brain will try to shut out the negative things about him and only think about the positive things about him. Like I'll just black out on his flaws and go like goo goo gaga about th- shit that's really like bare minimum. Like he could be just a mediocre guy and I'd be like, wow. Like, so I start to like idealize him. And again, I think it's just hormonal. That's just kind of how I be. And so I'd say the lesson here is when you're thinking about casual sex, know thyself. If you know the kind of person that you are, if you get attached after sex, then maybe. And the other thing is like, guys are so much nicer when you haven't fucked them yet. That's the other thing I've noticed is like, I've noticed that once I fuck a guy, I lose all of my leverage. And so just because I am the sort of person where I like to feel like I'm in control of situations and like I'm not having had one over on me, I just avoid, I just delay sex with guys as long as possible, just like for as a matter of like self-preservation. But yeah, but that's just me. And it's also the build up as well. Like, even if it's not a casual situation, I think sometimes the tease and anticipation can be really fun and add a different sort of space to the relationship <laughs> before you just go all in. And But yeah, just off the back of your comments about knowing yourself that, that Lilith just made, I think that is really, really important. And this is why I tend to think that, I don't mean to sound ageist here, but if you're below the age of 25, I would avoid casual relationships. I think below the age of 25, like when you're just starting out with men, when you're getting to know men, when you're in that, everyone has their pick me phase. I would avoid casual relationships as much as possible because, and this is not to sound condescending. This is just generally just from my own life experience and of others as well. But you generally haven't developed the ability to set boundaries. You don't always know how you'll react to to having sex with a really hot guy or a guy that you're talking to. And it's just generally the prefrontal cortex also hasn't developed until the age of 25 as well so your decision making can be slightly askew yeah and all the men there are shit at that age because under 25 especially it's it's all about men trying to get cool social points trying to get clout off your back literally off your back so if you start having casual sex with guys and they'll start to like you know, talk about it, brag about it with their friends, especially in an insular environment like high school or college. And it's just all bad for you. Or even like if you're new at a company, if you're an intern or like a first year at a company, like dead ass. Yeah. Like ladies, like if you're under 25, all of those social situations and environments you're going to be in, generally, it's not going to work out for you. It's going to be all bad. It's all bad. It will give men the social points. It'll give men the social clout. Men will have leverage over you, so to speak, because they'll know like, you know, you suck their dick or whatever. And 
I can even remember being that age and like guys trying to send subliminals on like Facebook and shit. What do you mean by sending subliminals? They'll say stuff like passive aggressive. Oh, I hope yeah, passive aggressive <laughs> comments that you uh, that may be directed towards you but not you. They'll be like, "Oh, I hope you're not tri- I hope these girls aren't tripping out here or something like that." Right? <laughs> like they might say something that's cryptic yet clearly trying to dig at you a little bit oh you know on twitter on instagram on facebook whatever like they're trying to increase their social clout off your back right so my saving grace at that age was that i really truly thought i was gonna wait till i got married to have sex so i was actually a late virgin but not from dude's lack of trying and not from me like trying to stop them that hard but like um not from dude's lack of trying and i straight up used to just go to clubs in like my body glitter and tube top and booty shorts and just make out with cute guys and then if they tried to have sex with me i'd be like first of all i'm a christian (laughs) (laughs) this tube top is a godly tube top (laughs) going to a rave partying hard and being like first of all i'm a christian woman how dare you sin on me I just had the image, right, of, you know, like the frog with the cross on the Discord. <laughs> you just whipping that out and just being like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, you want to fuck? <laughs> just whip out the cross. That's basically what I used to do, especially in high school and like early college. Before I could like really go to the clubs and stuff. So I would just like, so they used to have these teen clubs around where I grew up where, do you guys have teen clubs? What's that? Like youth group? No, clubs, like legit a club, a dance club where they'd rent it out. They had oh. usually 18 and under clubs and then, or like 16 and up clubs or 18 and up clubs and they wouldn't serve alcohol or they'd serve alcohol with a wristband. So they used to have these clubs where you could go when you were a teenager and it was just a club. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Me and my friends used to go there. I was the queen of getting my pussy ate and bouncing because in my head, I was like, well, that doesn't count. Jesus won't be mad at me for like having some guy kiss my vagina, right? Like, <laughs> so that was a very important developmental stage for me in like detaching myself from men because I feel like two things happened where I learned how to set my sexual boundaries because I would just tell, I would just straight up be like, actually, I'm a virgin. I would just wait till we got like kind of involved. <laughs> And I'd be like, actually, I was a virgin and I'm going to wait till I get married. And then sometimes guys would feel motivated to like give me head because they wanted, they thought if they gave me head, like I'd want to fuck them. But I was really good at just like pulling the plug because I'm like, oh no, Jesus will be mad at me. So then I just, (laughs) so I would just bounce. (laughs) That's brilliant. But then I think they would get pissed because I wouldn't reciprocate because I didn't suck their dick either. And then they would throw subliminals at me and then like start like all over social media and then start like rumors and shit to like just basically get the other upper hand my whole thing is like they were casual encounters but i still had to deal with all the drama and the bullshit of men starting shit because they like either they got their feelings hurt or they thought like they were gonna i don't know what they thought but they thought wrong and then also it was good practice setting my boundaries but at the same time i didn't really take any quote-unquote risk because i wasn't having sex with them that being said i was choked out pretty bad by some guy once that like shook me and i didn't know I was like, at this point, I didn't watch porn. I didn't do any of that kind of thing. So I didn't know that was like a thing. So I just thought a guy attacked me, right? And then like, he started watching porn after that. We were making out. This guy just likes choking the shit out of me. I'm like, why are you choking me? And he's like, oh, well, girls like this. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Because I'd never heard of this. So the downside of this is that you still can put yourself in risky situations, even if you're not like having actual sex with these guys. But I do think, you know, like if you kind of employ the vetting strategies we've talked before, you can start to weed out the guys that are going to be shitty and not respect your boundaries. And I think that time of my life was beneficial because I learned how to like set hard no's. 
So even if you have to make up some shit about Jesus, like just like just like start setting boundaries. I used to do this thing. This was pre FDS, where if a guy didn't want to wear a condom, I would say that um, I'm pro life, and so I'm so glad that you want to have a baby with me because if I ever got pregnant, I'd definitely keep it, and nothing would make them want to wear a condom more than that. They would hood themselves with a quickness. Also, I mean, if I was looking for a casual sex partner, I would also avoid men who are like 26 year old virgins because I know for a fact they probably got their sex ed through porn so they would make lousy ass partners and i also tended to go for oh i mean this is is a bit of an age gap but generally men over 30 or like like late 20s 30s um like men my own age were just like they just got their sex ed from reddit porn and that was just a no it had to be somebody who had like real life experience with you know being with a woman and they're often really easy to weed out as well because these porn fried men who grew up on porn you notice that they don't know how to talk to a woman like they're very awkward or they talk about sex quickly and the way they talk about sex is very awkward it's not it doesn't really flow what's your favorite sex position it's stilted yeah like and they'll just ask you know what are your kinks before they even know what your name is and they have that creep energy where they just like their entire brain you can tell is just on a spiral of porn I can't even explain it, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you can feel that creepy porn energy. I mean, the sex worker was a true Casanova, to be fair. Like, and it made sense when he told me he was a sex worker. So I was like, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) I get it. What was the first red flag? That he was too good at sex. Okay. (laughs) No, the the first red flag was that he offered me a massage beforehand. Like, he was like, do you want a back massage? I was like, oh, okay. Isn't that sad that, like... We think it's a red flag if a man treats you too well. <laughs> That's the state of men. I know. Isn't that sad? Yeah. And it was such it was such a good massage as well. Like, obviously it got a bit sensual, but like who are you and who do you work for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was really, really good. And then he was really clean and respectful. But yeah, the bar is like literally in hell that if a guy is somewhat competent in bed, I'm just gonna be like, Are you a sex worker? I'll just be Googling his image. <laughs> No, reverse image search his profile picture, see if it comes up on any escort services. His number, his number's the main thing, because some of them, like, keep their face out, just um, because, like, this guy keeps his face out, like, he he doesn't on his adverts, he doesn't show his face, but his number was there. Yeah, because men see a, a casual sexual encounter as primarily for them, and they've explicitly stated that they don't consider it to be mutual unless they like you, or you're their girlfriend. Yeah, that's the main reason why I'm against casual sex. If I'm being totally honest, I've never had an orgasm from a casual sex or one-night stand encounter. Even the three-month foreign exchange student, like, ongoing relationship guy, even though I generally enjoyed having sex with him, I still had to be the one to get myself off. So I'm basically just masturbating, and then there's a guy there. So it's like, what's the point? Yeah, true. What's the point? Right? Like, I may as well just masturbate. He's not really providing anything, except he's just like a real-life, like, blow-up sex doll, almost. I don't get much from that. I've had relationships like that, sis. Not even to be funny, but, like, not even just casual sex, where just the sex starts to drop off because men get lazy. They just get sexually lazy. So it's really tough to guard against that in a relationship, but it's doubly tough when it's a friends with benefits and you don't have any type of leverage or so to speak. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, so this makes me feel like you really don't care about me. And they're like, yeah, I don't care about you because this is a casual sex relationship. Right. Exactly. Men on the internet and even in real life in some cases have explicitly said that they don't eat pussy unless they're in a relationship or that they don't care about a woman's orgasm unless 
they actually are in love with her. Just the way that men are. Again, like casual sex wouldn't be a bad thing if men were more ethical participants, but unfortunately they're not. So we have to be realistic. And overwhelmingly not. They're overwhelmingly not. Not by like a little bit of a margin, like overwhelmingly they are not good at this and they're not motivated to be good at this. And also just female socialization, like women. And that's the other thing is I feel like a lot of my casual sexual encounters were at least partially influenced by, you know, what Natalie Liu said about, um, oh, if I have, if I put out, then he'll like me or, you know, feel like he has to have a relationship with me or something like that. Or just like being people pleasing and putting other people's needs before my own. I don't know. I feel like until you've gotten to the point where you've really challenged that part of your female socialization, again, casual sex, I feel like is one of those things that gets better with age because when you're young and you haven't unlearned that socialization, it can make it so that your sexual experiences are not as good. If you feel bad once during a casual sexual encounter, don't do it again. That's the other thing. I would actually feel bad after casual sex most of the time, except for ongoing three-month relationship guy. That He was okay. But the other ones, I would feel like disgust with myself or sad, but still liking the guy. So it was very like a weird dynamic. So yeah, I generally feel bad during or after. So I have to avoid it. And just like anything, you really need to ask yourself. And this is something that Natalie mentioned, which it's a really, really good test or question you can ask yourself before you do anything like casual sex or, or even like have sex for the first time with a guy that you want to get into a relationship with is ask yourself, you know, if I stop talking to this guy tomorrow, if we have sex today and we stop talking tomorrow, am I going to be okay? If the answer is no, then you're not ready to have sex with them because the sex decision should be in dependent of what happens to the relationship in some respect if it's truly a decision that you're making in that moment because if you would feel bad if he stopped talking to you tomorrow then either subconsciously or consciously you're hoping that that sex will get you to a certain outcome and as many women have found out the hard way it doesn't work that way it's a question that i think is also part of sex positivity people have confused being sex positive with having sex quickly and that's not it sex positivity is about having sex on your terms in a way that's enjoyable to you so knowing your conditions for sex and being 100% comfortable in your decision to have sex or to not have sex I'll confess it's never worked for me to be able to like future gauge how I feel about a guy meaning if if I'm okay if a guy never talks to me after that it never worked for me I think because I I don't know. I found it hard to understand how I was going to feel about a guy until after I had sex. And the only way I figured out how I was going to feel is I started to pay attention in the moment to how sexually attracted I was to the guy and whether I thought the sex was going to be good. Because I don't know that I regret sex that was actually good. So even if it didn't work out, even if I got a little bit emotionally attached, like the sex was actually good. How I figured it out or how I started to delineate between whether or not I thought I should have sex with the guy is like, am I 100% confident if I have sex with this guy, it'll be worth my time. Right. I don't want to like, I don't want 90% confidence. I want 100% confidence. And like a lot of the vetting strategies we talked about in that, in the sex, in the uh, sex strategy episode we did, it was like paying attention to all the little things about him to start to get a picture of what he was going to be like sexually so that I knew how to interact with him when we did have sex. But that is, that's vetting, right? That means you can't just jump in bed with a guy you just met. 
I think, again, it just comes back to knowing yourself, though. If you have enough self-awareness to know that that is how you operate, that's also something to consider as well. But again, it just, yeah, you just have to know yourself. I regret all the sex I had with, like, terrible, ugly men or men who were bad at sex. I regret every single piece of that. (laughs) I can't think of a more depressing state of affairs than, like, just realizing, like, you fucked a guy and he actually literally repulses you, either emotionally, physically, or sexually. I think that's quite sad as well, especially if it's um if it was a casual encounter. You know, women are going into it at a disadvantage, quite a massive disadvantage. We're less likely to orgasm, the risks are a lot higher. And so when you then go into such a situation with somebody that repulses you, it's just yeah, it's a double L. Like no offense, bro. But it's a double L. <laughs> no, no, it is. No, I'll take that. I'll hold on to that. It's the worst feeling in the world. I want to circle back, Savannah, to your point about Natalie Luz. If he stopped talking to you tomorrow, would you feel bad about it? That's the other thing is like 100% of the time, if I fuck a guy and he never talks to me again after that, 100% of the time that will like trigger my abandonment issues. Even if I don't even like him that much, like just the fact that he would like have sex with me and then bounce makes, would just make me feel like rejected or, or sad or used, exploited or whatever. Right. So that would always just make me feel bad. Looking back, now that you've brought that up, it made me realize that I think at the time I was sort of projecting like my humanity onto men because I at the time I knew that I got closer to men through sex like the sex made me feel more connected and so I thought that it was the same for men I didn't realize you know it sounds stupid and naive now right but when you're like 20 it's like you don't know any better or you know you haven't realized the true depths of men's sexual depravity and their selfishness as well like just how selfish they are maybe this is like just a difference in our experiences because I've only had maybe one maybe two guys ghost me and the sex was so bad that I was like, fine. So I didn't really give a shit. <laughs> and I feel like... The trash took itself out. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm like, this is going to save me an awkward conversation to realize like that they're bad at this. And I feel like they knew they were bad. See, that's that would make it worse for me because again, it's almost like about my ego, right? It's like, if oh. the guy was shitty or ugly, even if the guy stopped talking to me and he was bad at sex or he was ugly, I that almost makes it worse because I'd be like, I fucked this fucking guy and he was a, like, and he was, I gave an ugly guy a chance and he didn't even text me back how dare he right like it almost seemed more offensive yeah and the thing is i think they could feel my contempt at the end of the sex <laughs> i think that's what happened yeah. like so it wasn't even it was like hey talk to you around so it was like one of those really fake goodbyes you know when you're fake goodbying people and you're like i'm never fucking talking to this dude again so the other guys i had sex with where it was like okay even if i was like or okay or good or i was actually really into them and maybe it didn't blossom to a relationship it's different right like i would still be emotionally attached but i didn't feel like um i didn't feel like disgusted with myself in the same way like when the sex is bad <laughs> yeah true if i have sex with a guy who doesn't meet my standards and then he bounces after i'd be like how dare you? I graced you with my presence and you're not even going to appreciate that. Like, so yeah, that's another reason why for me, casual sex is a hard no, because I just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess what most people would call like demisexual nowadays. I think demisexuality is a bullshit concept. I think that's just called being a normal person, only wanting to have sex with people that you feel a connection with or whatever, or feeling connected to the people that you have sex with. So yeah, just circles back to like, know thyself. I think you've got to be careful as well if you're one of those women because I'm that sort of person where it's either I go all in or I just detach, I become the ice queen. And whilst that is good, but in like some scenarios, that can mean that I'm quite emotionally unavailable. 
And again, this was brought up in the Natalie Lou episode when she said that you have to, to make sure that the universe will test you to see if you truly want what you want. So the times when I thought I was open to a relationship and I was also open to these casual encounters, I actually wasn't as emotionally available as I thought I was. But when I became more serious about finding a relationship and like leveling up and stuff like that, the prospects of like casual sex just didn't appeal to me as much. So you just have to be careful there. Plus, I think, like I said, you can have a lot of casual encounters that aren't sex. And I actually think we need to bring back second base. Like first and second base are really, really important for gauging. What's second base? I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means. First base is like kissing. Second base is like uh, dry humping, isn't it? Oh. I think. No, isn't it fingering and like t- like touching? No, I thought that was like third base. Third base is like under the clothes. Like I think second base is over the clothes. Third base is under the clothes. It's like if you're like grabbing titties. Okay, right. Playing with the playing with each other's genitals. <laughs> genitals is so clinical, right? That sounds so sexy. Playing with each other's genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Manipulating each other's genitals in a sexual manner. Um, <laughs> Very clinical, yeah. So I'm a big fan of like first and second base as doing recon about whether or not I want to fuck this guy. Because like I said earlier, how I feel about the sexual encounter is almost 100% centered around how I feel about the guy's sexual skill and how much I'm going to enjoy it. So that's why I'm a big fan. I actually think you should have a lot more casual encounters as far as just making out and kissing and like have sex only be for guys you really, really, really want to fuck. Because I think that'll actually start to weed men out. But that means... And also during that time, you're doing the regular FDS vetting. So you'll end up with a good sexual partner, a guy who can listen to you, a guy who at least has like all the the markers of a high value man, like at least in the short term. At least externally. At least externally, but also but also short term, right? Like and if you're not looking to do a long-term relationship, short term. So then you know you're going to enjoy the sexual counter and then have like a hard expiration date so you don't get attached. So if he's not into it, then... That's actually true, actually, because I once kissed a guy and it felt like he was a dog trying to lick my face. I Usain bolted out of there. My one caveat about what you said there, Ro, is like, yes, like we need to bring back first and second base. However... You have to go into that. First of all, having like vetted the guy to make sure he's not like a date rapist, because a lot of guys, if you do first or second base with them, they'll go into like high pressure sales mode, trying to close, seal the deal and go all the way to make a home run. And true. So there's that, like, you have to make sure he's not sexually predatory. And I've been in situations like that where I'm making out with a guy or I'm touching, I'll try to pull back and he'll try to, you know, I think you tell them, I think you tell them straight up up front, like, especially if you're casually dating, like just tell them like, Hey, I date. So I, I can't fuck every guy I'm going on a date with. But even there have been times where I'll tell a guy, like, I don't want to have sex tonight, but I'll kiss you kind of thing. And they think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can, pers- uh, I they think they can persuade you or they can convince you or even just like force you. Right. So, you know, and that's happened to me. So there's that. And then secondly, you have to be really strong in your boundaries because a lot of guys will try to use emotional manipulation, like, oh, like, I'm just so horny for you, babe. Like, don't give me blue balls, like that kind of stuff. They won't physically force you. But if you're not super strong in your boundaries, being people pleasing to men, I, and I found myself in situations where we're making out and I didn't want to have sex that night, but I kind of like feel bad or whatever reason I, in my head, I'm like, I end up having sex when I didn't really want to and kind of just like going along with it. And I always regret that after the fact. So you need Jesus. That's what you need. You need Jesus. <laughs> I wish my parents raised me with Jesus in my life. Like, 
Anthony chooses to tell you. My mom was raised Christian, but she was very traumatized by the church, so she didn't really want us to be raised in that kind of environment. Yeah, nay, Jesus. I should have just lied. I should have been like, that's, that's the thing. I would do the whole, um, oh no, I'm actually pro-life, and I would lie about it. I should have just lied and said I believed in God, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's perfectly okay to lie if you have to. A no should be enough, but if you have to lie and for whatever reason the guy's not respecting your no, yeah, then totally lie and get yourself out of that situation or just like straight up fight his ass. And block and delete. To further like maybe secure your safety, maybe if you're doing the kissing, making out thing, like do it in a car or someplace where you're not in his home. And then it's like, you're cornered. Yes. Because that's, I know we talked about that on the Dave Portnoy episode too, about when you go to a guy's home, you are like, you're cornered then, right? You want to try to do it in a place where it's somewhat neutral. And in fact, I'm a big fan of like the car makeout as well before, you know, because the thing is you're either feeling it or you're not, you'll kiss each other. And I had, I've had this happen where you start kissing and then you're like, I'm not feeling this. And so then it's really easy to back out and be like, okay, well, I got to go home rather than if you're at his home and you have to get your purse, he has to like uh, drive you back. Or if you drove yourself, you have to leave and find an excuse to leave. Like maybe start kissing in the car, making out in the car. And then by the time you go home with him, you're sure you want to go home. Just a good old fashioned uh, backseat necking. Go to the drive-in, what our parents and grandparents used to do. Yeah, but all that stuff, like I know it seems old fashioned, but now we're kind of discovering is that it actually in some respects had a good purpose, right? It actually does kind of help you vet men for your their overall sexual skill before you're in a place where it gets harder and harder to say no, and they're going to start to try to pressure you. So I think once you, you go to a man's house, you know, and I actually would even maybe say the first time you have sex, don't even go to his house, maybe have sex at your house, then you can just kick him out if he acts crazy. I don't know. I'm scared of that because I don't want guys to know where I live. True. Okay. Yeah. Actually, the other thing too, if you want to go to his house, because you want to see how he lives and make sure he doesn't live gross. Because I, I hate that. Like you have one image of a guy and then you see the way his place looks and you're like, oh no. So I feel like at some points you have to go to his place. So maybe the strategy here is like go to his place sometime like during the day, maybe like not after a date, but find like a casual reason to drop by his place before you have sex. To circle back to what you said about Dave Portnoy, for me, the whole Dave Portnoy debacle is just more proof to me why casual sex is not advisable for women. First of all, I want to say like when I was a teenager, it's different from being a teenager now, right? Because now um, casual sex involves like fucking rape fantasies now apparently so that, that's the other thing is like if you're gonna do casual sex make sure it's not like bdsm casual sex and this is one thing i never understood vanilla vanilla only <laughs> vanilla only like this is one thing i didn't like about the bdsm community is they'd be like oh do you want to have a scene together and you barely know this person and they want to like whip you and shit and so it's like it's just weird i think that if you are going to do bdsm it's not advisable but if you are it should only be with someone that you really know and trust and ideally in a committed relationship with because when you engage in casual sex first of all like there's so many predatory scrotes out there who use bdsm as a guise for basically wanting to rape women and not face any consequences for it and also the practices that the bdsm community advocates for actually disempowers women i'll give you an example i want to point out the difference in the training that uh libfem media gives women and what porn gives men because libfem media i was raised with this whole idea of like well you have to like talk about your kinks beforehand and you know negotiate your boundaries and safe words and this and that in porn when a guy is doing a bdsm scene on a woman in porn there's no conversation about boundaries or anything like that there's like i think a couple of porn companies that do interview the woman before and they put that in the video but the majority of the time it's just like straight into like 
hard pounding, hitting the woman, choking, slapping, all this like fucked up shit, right? So the training that boys get and the training that girls get is very different. And so by the time I finally, after getting all this like Cosmo and fucking Teen Vogue media advice and actually going out there and having sex with guys and them just springing shit on me when I'm not expecting it, it was just not the experience that I was expecting. But the fucked up thing is like, if you talk to a guy about your rape fantasies. And if that conversation happens through text, that guy can then use that against you if he actually rapes you in the future. That's the thing that actually pisses me off about the BDSM community. They tell you, oh, talk about your boundaries and your kinks and everything beforehand and then have sex. When you do that, you're actually putting yourself in a situation where you're more vulnerable to being raped and the guy not facing any consequences for it. Because we saw that with Dave Portnoy. Everyone's saying, oh, she said she had a rape fantasy. Oh, she wanted to have rough sex. Therefore, it was consensual. This has actually happened to me before where I had been in a relationship with a guy. We were in a relationship for several months. During that time, we'd obviously sexted and like exchanged nudes and stuff like that. A few months after we break up, he says, oh, I just want to talk and I have, I want to return some of your things. And so I was like, okay, you can come over, return some of my things. So he comes over and then he wanted to have sex. I didn't want to. I tried to get him to leave. He didn't leave. He ends up raping me. And when I, I actually reported this to the police and when the police followed up with me, they had the police officer had a bunch of screenshots of sex that I had sent him when we were in a relationship, including things like stuff about rape fantasies, consensual non-consent. And so the police was like, did you write these? And as soon as I said, yes, the, I wrote those, his eyes just totally glazed over and checked out. And he, you know, they ended up not proceeding with charges. It really just came down to those text messages, right? Again, you see the same thing, exact same thing playing out with Dave Portnoy, where if you've ever exchanged a text message with a guy talking about your rape fantasies, it puts you in a vulnerable situation where the guy could rape you for real and you have no legal recourse at all. And again, BDSM people, they'll say, oh, you can withdraw consent at any time and like safe words. Yeah. How do you enforce that legally? Because these guys have figured out that there's not shit you can do if you do withdraw consent. That's the thing, especially predators. That's why I, I just point blank don't trust any man who's attracted to that as a dynamic period is because they get off on violating boundaries. They get off on the abuse. And that's just not that's just not indicative of a person who, first of all, respects women at all, but also an indicative of an abusive person. And even if they kill you as well, you've got also the rough sex defense. So a man can literally kill you and get a lesser sentence if sentenced at all. If they find out that you're into kink, it's happened a lot in the UK. They're currently trying to outlaw it. But many men have used the whole, well, she consented to it as if people can consent to being killed as a way to get off a murder charge, essentially. Or it'll go from uh, murder to being manslaughter, right? To manslaughter, yeah. So ladies, to sum this up, 100% under no circumstances, under no circumstances should you have rougher violent sex, text a guy about rougher violent sex with a sexual partner, like spe especially not casual sex. Definitely 100%, 1000% never try to have BDSM sex with a casual sexual partner. It will only end up bad for you. But not even that. Even if you try to have normal sex, he'll just spring it on you, right? Because that, that, well, like we said in the Dave Portnoy episode, this is sex now. Yeah, that's part of the problem is that like a lot of this BDSM stuff has started to infiltrate mainstream. But I think, again, you'll have a much better case if you're like, I thought we were going to have consensual sex and this guy choked and slapped me out of fucking nowhere. Because that's just assault. And these porn sick BDSM 
gentlemen, they always give off tells as well. So if he starts talking about kinks or, and these men just tell on themselves as well. They're so shameless. They'll be like, Hey, how are you? Oh, by the way, um, I've got a rape fantasy, tee hee hee sort of thing. If they give any indication that they're into violent sex of any sort, just block and delete because they will give off tells long before you get to the bedroom. You just have to suss them out. But yeah. So this is again why I'm against casual sex, just like categorically because. There's too many of these predator types in the pool. There's too many of these predatory scrouts out there. Most guys are porn sick, especially if they're under the age of like 30 these days. Because the normal heterosexual sex script is degrading, violent, humiliating to women, I think there's too much of a risk that the guy's going to spring that on you during the casual sex, whether you've discussed it beforehand or not. And so I strongly advise women to avoid it just because of the culture around sex right now is just too toxic. I think that's a great point. I'm a millennial and I would say it wasn't, I, I encountered porn sick men for sure. And I also got choked out when was like, what the fuck when that happened. And I think you're right is that there's just, there's too many variables when it comes to casual sex and like the, what the average man views as casual sex and how much that might be abusive, disgusting, terrible for you that the likelihood of you finding a casual sex partner that'll make it worth your while is so low. And the only way to increase the likelihood that you'll have a good casual sex partner is to do all of the vetting you would do for a boyfriend, <laughs> right? Um, and I think you made this point, Savannah, if you want to make it here about how like even in the BDSM community, the men who are in relationships, uh, the good doms tend already to be in relationships. Yeah. So even in that sort of scenario, people who had one-off casual encounters, it almost always ended badly. And because the community is just you know, full of complete dickheads. They would also blame the sub for saying you should have said no or, you know, you should have negotiated even though you, the dom could clearly see you were intoxicated. So it was just so much toxic crap. But yeah, um, in my experience in the scene, the goods in quotation marks like dominance who seem to know what they're doing or have a better grasp of consent issues because the bar was in fucking hell or who are actually good in bed, they were not into casual encounters. You just wouldn't really see them. And they wouldn't be interested in like the poly shit as well, which is another reason why I think poly's a scam. If you're happy with your primary partner, you won't feel the need to go looking for somebody else, especially in in something like BDSM that is very emotionally and can be quite emotionally and physically taxing for both parties. I mean, so yeah, the casual sex, well, that's a really good point actually Rose actually touched on. The people looking for casual sex are probably the people that have been left on the shelf. Like the sex worker is a rare, rare, rare occurrence. And again, he's not on it all the time. He was probably on it for quite a small window of time to probably scratch an itch or I don't know but he'll be hard to find because he's one in maybe a hundred thousand who actually know what they're doing if you look at even you know things like BDSM personals and I used to browse that you'd see the same people looking for an encounter they'd be on it for years <laughs> you'd literally click on their history and it would be say it was I think it was around 2018 and they'd been posting since like 2014 so it's like, it's the same people who've just been left on the shelf that nobody really wants. Again, factory rejects. The luxury cars don't remain on the forecourt for very long. They get driven home. That's so true. So basically, I mean, to sum that up, the men who are actually good at sex tend to get selected out of the pool because 
women want to be in relationships with them. And they end up pursuing relationships with women because they invest in sexually pleasing women, right? So they get locked down. The ones who are still on the market, there's something wrong with them. They don't want to keep them around. That's just 100% what happens. Like, and the only, the only women who would deal with them on level are probably sex workers, women who are actually getting paid. So that's what a lot of these guys who are in these quote unquote casual encounters, like a lot of them are also likely to be hiring prostitutes. <laughs> so... Yeah. So I think that's a good point. It's almost like um, you wouldn't want to be part of the pool of casual sex partners because the men who are in that pool are being selected against by other guys who women want to stay and be around in relationships with. It's not, there's actually not that many like hot guys who are amazing in bed who also don't have girlfriends. Like that to me is like a red pill fantasy where they think about these alpha guys that are just like knocking down tons of chicks. There's a reason they don't have any repeat customers. Okay. Like it's because they're not good. If they're good with women in and out of the bedroom, they're probably not looking for something casual, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like the kind of man who specifically looks for a casual relationship to me is automatically low value. That's why we say at FDS, you want a guy who's marriage-minded. Even if you yourself are not marriage-minded, like, I don't really want to get married or anything like that, but I only date guys who want to get married because... Those are the only guys who are decent. Men who don't want to get married are trash. And even like, just to circle back briefly, even men who, I've spoken to men who um, who have a lot of casual sex, even they've said that sex with somebody that you know and love and care about is always superior to sex with a random. One of the guys I spoke to even compared like sex like a, it's just a sport. You know, if you're with somebody and you have that sexual tension and the familiarity, it's just so much better. So even the people who are in the casual sex world, 99% of them are not enjoying it. So one last reason to explore about casual sex and like the huge downsides of it is the likelihood of encountering men who don't take care of their sexual health and who can expose you to STDs. So that's always the caveat, I think, when you're in a relationship that's not monogamous. And also if you do any type of casual encounter where you haven't vetted the guy, you haven't gone to get tested for STDs, is that you do expose yourself to that risk. And there are certain STDs like HPV that are undetectable in men, but can still spread to women and give you cervical cancer. There are some vaccines against certain strains of HPV, but there are other strains of HPV that you can't get vaccinated against that are still undetectable in men, but could cause cancer, cervical cancer, as well as genital warts in women. And there's also herpes. And there's also several types of STDs that you can just get from skin on skin contact. And even wearing a condom may not necessarily prevent it. So the big ugly thing that hangs over every sexual encounter with a person you haven't properly vetted is whether or not this person is going to expose you to STDs. Let's be real. This again goes back to the quality of the casual sex pool. Like men who are into casual sex are going to be very casual about their sexual health. It's not something they're considering. I severely doubt anybody is talking about when was the last time you were tested and even STD tests. Let's be real. It's only valid on the day you take the sample. If you then go out and have unprotected sex an hour later, yeah, your test might come back clean, but you could have picked up something in that time anyway. So even STD tests can be an indicator, but it's still not a guarantee that somebody doesn't have anything. And in chats and stuff, you know, I've heard men say really, really quite horrendous things when it comes to women's sexual health, especially things like like when they do anal and they go like ass to mouth, they'll say, Ew! Oh yeah, like hepatitis is not 
a big deal. Like you can get the vaccine for, or they just don't give a shit if you get hepatitis. They just don't care. So there's that as well. You need to think about the pool of men you're looking for. Men who are going to be into the casual sex scene. And these are not men who A, care about their own health. And if they don't care about their own health, they're not going to care about your health. Just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, I remember talking to this one guy who was telling me that he wasn't looking for anything serious. He's only looking for casual sexual relationships. And that he never uses condoms, only does bareback, and that he's never had an STD test. And I told him to his face that he was disgusting. And he was, like, so offended. He was like, oh my god, that's so offensive and hurtful to me that you would call me disgusting. It's also accurate. It's also accurate, right? (laughs) That's community dick. Yeah. (laughs) That's community dick, right? These are the kinds of guys that are out there looking for casual sex, okay? They have dirty dicks. And you shouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. Say no to community dick. And the thing is, the guys who are community dick, they're not better in bed. I mean, I didn't fuck this guy because that guy was gross, but I'm imagining just how fucking low effort he was when it came to just taking care of his own sexual health. I'm assuming he's not going to be a great lover either. So it's all risk and no reward. And the other thing is you don't want to reinforce poor behavior in men like that by validating their worldview and behavior by having sex with them. Because if you have sex with them, then they think, well, the thing I'm doing is wrong. They look at it as a win and they look at it like, okay, I don't have to change my behavior. I don't have to care about using condoms because women will have sex with me anyways. And woe to those women. (laughs) Let's be real. Casual sex is a very different game for men than for women. Casual sex for men is like all reward and I mean, the risks are there, but they just seem to n- not care. Yeah, they don't give a shit about the risks. They don't give a shit the risks. They just take it on the chin. But for women, the risks are much higher, not just in terms of STDs, but also the social stigma. Like Rose said earlier in the episode, you're literally like risking your own social status to benefit a man's social status. He's winning social points off your back. And you probably won't even orgasm at that. It'll probably be shit. So you're going to have bad sex with a guy who could expose you to STDs and he's going to probably talk about your encounter and hype himself up and try to make you look bad. So it's just like everything about it is just mostly negative. And to the extent that you can have positive sexual encounters with men, you basically have to vet them the same you would as a boyfriend. Exactly. So there's just no difference in the way you would have to vet them. So then it just becomes a question of like, if you're going to engage with a guy and you don't have any type of sense that he's taking care of his sexual health, that he's respectful of you, that he's actually good, that he's actually good in bed, you're always going to just take a massive amount of risk for a really, really low reward. In the words of Lizzo, the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's not. So overall, casual sex is a bad idea. There may be some specific circumstances to which you may enjoy it, but you have to vet those guys like a boyfriend. And if they're going to be friends with benefits, they need to be your actual friend. Like I would also ask these guys, as a, like, if you can't ask him to loan you a couple hundred bucks or come fix your car if it breaks down, that guy's not your friend. And I straight up would not be around him. (laughs) I wouldn't have him as a sexual partner. Yeah, if you wouldn't be friends with him, if you weren't fucking him, then he's not a friends with benefits. It's just benefits, no friends. And not even for women, there's no benefits. The benefit is all for the man. Right. I've seen a lot of women, they're having sex with these guys and they're afraid to ask them for anything. And I'm like, but But why? You're literally giving him your whole body and exposing yourself to all this risk. And you can't ask him to bring you a bowl of chicken soup when you're sick. (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's all down. Downside then. Mediocre dick. And for what? 
All risk, no reward. Why would you do that? And that's why casual sex in general has started to fall out of favor because men are shitty. They just come with all the entitlement and none of the benefits. (laughs) So although it was pretty controversial on the subreddit, we mostly come down on the side that it's just not worth it in 90% of the cases. So to wrap things up, there's specific scenarios where we think casual sex can work for some women, generally women who are grounded enough to be emotionally detached from the sexual encounter. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not a person who can emotionally detach from a sexual uh, encounter. And for the most part, a lot of women would fall into that category. And there's also women who, like myself, are maybe flexible depending on like the situation. So parsing out for yourself under what scenario you can be okay with a casual sexual encounter. And there's always a risk of that, you know, you could be exposed to STDs. If you're going to do some kind of friends with benefits relationship, obviously there's got to be some kind of exclusivity there. But then, like Savannah said earlier, if you're exclusive and you're still not wanting to be in a relationship, probably you're slumming it, right? Like probably there's something wrong with this guy you don't really want to have sex with. Also consider like the opportunity cost that you're costing yourself where you're sexually investing in this one relationship with a guy and you're not outdating other guys and finding new guys to like potentially have a relationship or, or fuck with. So casual sex for on a long-term relationship or long-term friends with benefits is like, I think across the board, we agree is a, a terrible idea. Short-term relation, short-term sexual encounters, meaning like three, four months, STD tests, vetting strategies, vet them like you would vet a boyfriend, determine what kind of triggers you have to being emotionally attached with a guy or not. And, you know, strap up and have fun and make sure it's on your terms and use my strategy if you're not sure. Just like have guys go down on you till you start figuring it out. (laughs) I kick them out. Like you don't have to fuck these guys. Yeet them. Yeah, straight up. Or leave, like just leave. I would just leave. Like I would just, I would literally, like I would literally step off their face and just put my my skirt on and just bounce. But that should be the rule for any. Like, make sure you get yours first. Make sure you get your orgasm first. It's a great vetting strategy too, because the guy's not going to go down. He's probably not going to be good in bed. Yeah, true. Making out with guys. Make sure you're in a place where you don't feel like you're going to be pressured. So try to make out in the car, something like that. Something where you don't feel like you're you're in his house, you're going to get cornered. So these are all like a lot of caveats around casual sex to make it a successful encounter. Probably it's not going to be worth your time in like 90% of cases. (laughs) That's why we, as a general rule at FDS, advocate against it. But for the small portion of you who aren't going to listen to us, then we gave you some guidelines to follow. Don't do it. But if you do it, be safe. And put yourself first. Join us for part two of this discussion on casual sex, where we debunk some of the male lies that they try to spin in order to get us to engage in casual sex and um, some appropriate FDS responses to that. That will be on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. So that's our show. If you want to follow us and uh, hear some more of our musing, we're all on Twitter. You can look at our main handle at fem.strat on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy if you want to check us out there thanks for listening queens and for all you scrouts out there y'all need jesus (laughs) time (laughs) ad see you next week guys see you next week